Do you believe in the mission of this podcast for you, for your colleagues, and for your clients? If you do, we'd like to invite you to invest with us. Yeah, nothing happens without an investment. Mm -hmm. I believe in the things that we're talking about make a difference in people's lives, like real lives that affect generations. So we'd love it if you'd invest with us. For sure, if you're uh, having difficulties financially, please do not give. If you serve a very underserved population, do not give. But if, if the ideas from this podcast you use professionally, we'd love to invite you to invest with us to keep this thing going. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Look what you did. All right. We're about to start a new series called The Stuck Client. First episode, Working With Blame. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. Hello, everybody out there in EFT or therapy land, wherever you are, even if you're not a don't identify as an EFT therapist, that's cool. Welcome here. and Thank you for listening. Really do appreciate you. Ryan and I have been on the road and traveling and training. And once again, we want to come back and we're sitting here thinking like, what should we do? And we were looking at some of you know our top downloaded episodes just so that's our way of trying to be in tune to you as well. We were so thankful for the response we got from our listener request uh, series. Thank you all for the sharing your questions and sharing your ideas. There is one on the board that said uh, dilemma. I have a board here in the studio that says dilemmas with pursuers and withdrawers. And me and Ryan are like, okay, you know, that's that we did do an episode number eight with that. We showed you the dilemma. But then we looked at that that request. And then we looked at what was our number one downloaded episode. And this one has like thousands upon thousands of downloads. And it is the do, reflecting the attachment dilemma with the stuck client. And so me and Ryan are like, what do you think it is about that? And I said, Ryan, it's the stuck client. That's why people listen to it so much. And then we kind of think about all the training we've been doing. And that's what people keep saying. But what about, but what about, what about when they get stuck right here? And so me and Ryan, in this next series, we're going to take all the ways in which we have seen it in our own offices. We're not, we're not immune from this. We wish we were. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to take from what we've seen in supervision from some of our great supervisees. Yeah, and send us an email if you're like, well, I got certain a certain stuck situation that really gets me. Please send us an, a, an email, and we'll we'll try to cover it. I also want to give a shout out. It's great to be on the road sometimes, meet some <laughs> new people. I got new. Uh, I'll tell you some <coughs> new people. Yeah, know. I got new therapists, friends, great colleagues from uh, Florida, from Washington State, mm. Wyoming, Nevada. It really is touching um, the feedback that we get, and just the incredible quality of people that that we get to be friends with. So it's great to. Great to make those connections. It is. Thank you. And I, was, mm -hmm. I just got back from um, North Texas community. Man, great people there in North Texas. with And that team, y'all, if you're in the Dallas area and you're a therapist and you hear me right now, go meet those people. Go to the North Texas EFT website. They host all kinds of community events and ways to just support therapists who want to be in EFT, not just skill-wise, but even from a personal. They, yeah. they A couple of them, right, they get together and have meetings on, like, how do you run your practice? I'm mm -hmm. like... That's so cool. That is cool. So, anyway. And you and I will be there. We still have some seats available. Was it November 9th and 10th? Uh, yeah, that's right, Ryan. Yeah. We will be there leading an after-the-core skills series, the mm -hmm. leading advanced EFT. Advanced EFT. Mm -hmm. And what Ryan and I are going to be really talking about is 
how do you manage attunement through a session based on if they're, if you've listened to here, if they're on the alpha path or that reactive path? And then what do you do to help make sure that you switch over and pivot? And notice when they're on the Bravo path and help kind of what we always joke about is finish the mission, meaning give attachment and vulnerability a chance to actually work. Yeah, our mission on those those trainings are to make on the most practical experience you've ever had. And it is. So we'll see if we can do it. No, we can, man. I'm a, I got to brag. Like we, okay. I said, Ryan. I've been studying deliberate practice a little bit lately, and I said, Ryan, I want a, a list of specific skills that when people leave this training, they could literally pull out their notes and say, I did this, I did this, I did this, and here's how I did well with it, and here's how I need to grow with it. And, y'all, we got a list. And it's going to be a lot of dem- like role plays and practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Yeah. So, But today, we're starting our new series, The Stuck Client, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about blame. Oof. It's not my fault. It's your fault. That's right. And what your a, fault. If you change, we'd be fine. And what a great strategy. Yeah. I mean, I like what George said today. We were in an SV Live. Shout out to G Fowler, G Money. Uh, but he did a great job talking about sometimes what feels like blocks for us as the therapist are actually anchors for our client. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think about what we're talking today. Blame could feel like, oh, they're blocked. They're not letting me have access to their vulnerability. Or it could feel like this blame is going to just, just put reactivity in the system and we can't get any vulnerability online. But what George would say to that is, but it's an anchor for them. It's saying, I don't trust moving forward. If you can't see this, I need you to see this thing. I need to, my brain needs to make sense. This is why we are where we are. And kind of, (laughs) we are here because of how you are coming across. If you could just change this or notice this or be accountable. Could you just make my partner accountable for this moment? Yeah, I could. We could do that. So anyway, how do we help join them in that? What do we do with blame when clients are stuck? Because yeah. it does stuck the, make the process stuck. It's not fun. No, it's, it's not, not fun. It's really popular. Mm-hmm. But let's just start with what blame is. Yeah. Blame is the blame is a story. Mm-hmm. Blame is a story that often comes in, not really an answer to a question. It's a story. It's a protective action tendency. If you think about assembly or temp or tempo, it is P. Mm-hmm. Blame is a protective action. But my, the first thing I want to talk about is, and it's I, I want to talk about it because it's really helpful for me to remember. Because sometimes blame is, uh, I mean, it's kind of toxic in terms of what happens in session. But blame is a great regulator mm. for the blamer. So if you said you have a client in front of you that completely has no emotional regulation, you would have to take them to the hospital, right? They would completely sort of decompensate. That would be an extreme example. But my point is blame is one of these moves that lets people regulate. Mm-hmm. It gives them a little bit of sense of control. Mm-hmm. It, even, it even can almost slow things down for them because if there's a huge explosion right now, and James and I are looking out the window in our little studio, if there's a huge explosion somewhere and you can't identify it, that puts your brain in a bad place. But if we can identify where the noise came from, what it is, instantly it calms you. Mm-hmm. Because once I can identify the threat, the, the brain naturally aligns some kind of resources around it. Mm-hmm. And that's what blame is. A lot of blame is not meant to make it hard. It's not meant to hurt the partner. It is a regulation move on someone trying to make sense of how things are wrong. I like that, Ryan. As you said that, blame is an identifier of the threat. And then it's saying, could you come and look at the threat with me? So that we can do something about it. Do you see it too? 
am I alone in what I'm seeing here? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then especially if I think sometimes it's, but what if I, I it's, you know, sometimes I think the, the issue with us is all human beings, by the way, right? It's just easier to kind of look outside of us than to sometimes look within us. Because part of where we see it show up, and I think in the, our work is, it's hard for me to identify that in me because, you know, when we get down with our clients, if that's true about me, then I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. You might not come towards me kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and thinking about types of blame, I just wrote down overt and covert. Mm. And uh, I just made those words up. Don't think it too scientific there. But, <laughs> but overt is that more reactive form of blame. Yeah. Blame. You know, almost a raised voice, an intense pointing of the finger an attacking, a very exasperated tone. And in some ways that feels worse because it's it, it activates, I think, the therapist's instinct to defend the partner. At least it does for me. And so there is a little bit of tension there. But honestly, the covert form, forms of blame, blame are harder to work with. A covert form of blame is, is almost accidental, mm-hmm. unintentional. The blamer in covert forms of blame often doesn't know that they're doing it at all. And I, and I flash back to, can I tell a quick story? Mm-hmm. All right. 2003, I'm training just outside of San Francisco at a place called Palo Alto, uh, not far from Stanford. And I'm, I'm doing a, a, a three-day training at the Mental Research Institute. It's one of the ways I was trained early on, problem-solving, pattern interruption work. And I had all kinds of experiences on that trip, but one, one great one is, was my buddy and I got to speak to uh, Paul Vitslavic, who's like a legend uh, in systems, and he hung out with us all day long. I don't know why. We were two young, you know, 20-something kids who were PhD students and uh, finishing our PhD, and uh, he just hung out. And so one of the things he talked about, he had written several books, but he talked about order of recursion. And when I think about covert blame, that's what I think about is order of recursion. What that means is recursiveness is kind of like a, a, a loop or a circular way of going about things. So the, the infinity loop in, um, in EFT, the way we align that up, is, is, an, is an illustration of recursion, how one thing leads to another, one thing leads to another, one thing leads to another. And Dr. Vyslavik was saying the order of recursion creates meaning. So in other words, when we talk about something that goes on between you and me, the order and how I frame it defines who you are with me and I am with you. There's this covert form of blame. So I'm not really trying to make you feel bad. I'm just saying my behavior is because of what you do. <laughs> I do. Mine is justified because of this. And I'm going to tell you, man, when, when that recursive looping gets going really fast, if you can't break it, that will swamp a relationship. It'll put too much negativity in there. It'll take safety away. So we do have to find ways to interrupt blame. But it's important to think about, is this an overt blame where it's so reactive, it's actually going to bring a bunch of emotion with it? So escalated blame, while it doesn't feel good, it's actually fairly easy to work with because for me to blame you intensely means I care so much and I have live emotion right in front of you. Can you work with it and access it? Whereas covert blame, it still has that toxic effect of distancing, but it's so covert, I, I, if I'm the blamer, I hardly notice that I'm doing it. And, and, and therefore, if I don't realize that I'm blaming you, then I can't make sense of how you respond to it. And here we go again. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's take a quick break. If you like the content of this podcast, 
and you want more specificity and ability to see it, a team of EFT trainers, supervisors, and therapists work together at successandvulnerability.com to create a focused online training program to help you learn how to work in some of the hardest places in emotional and relational distress. Check us out at successandvulnerability.com. If you... All right. Sorry for that mistake. <laughs> hey, so welcome back. So I like what you're saying here, Ryan. So, you know, in EFT, we used to call pursuers blamers. That didn't go over yep. so well, and that got changed. But we still got the withdrawer name. That hasn't been changed. But anyway, um, but, you know, we used to call them blamers. But I do want to say this. Let's not associate blame only with pursuers because withdrawers blame too. And mm -hmm. here's how withdrawer blame kind of looks. If you weren't the way you were, this wouldn't be a problem. Yep. That's the deadly sting that kind of comes for the pursuer. If you weren't this way, we'd be just fine. Which is both order of recursion and that also confirms the pursuer's worst fear. Right. That I, in fact, am too much. You know, okay. so you want to speak to that? No, no, I like that. That's, that's my next note. You gave me a good segue. Go ahead. You know, realizing, especially for pursuers, right, pursuers are more likely to do the overt blaming and the covert blaming, which is why they got the title. Years ago, uh, withdrawers are much more likely to do covert blaming, although sometimes they can get backed in a corner and here it comes. And catch that. That's the strategy for them. It's like you back me in a corner. This is my only way to get you backed off of me. Whereas a pursuer saying, look at this so we can deal with it. Yeah. And here's one that is really helpful for me because I grew up in a culture being a little sem semi-vulnerable here where you just didn't complain a lot, especially as an athlete. You know, if I was running and hurt my ankle and throwing up. It was my culture that you rub some dirt on it and suck it up. So I have to develop empathy for people who complain and blame a lot. That's work for me. One thing that really helped me is the recognition of people who blame a lot, their inner world mm. is so unbelievably tormented. Mm. So if I put a scoreboard up in the office, my office or yours, and whoever's score, like if someone's counting the number of blames, when that score gets high, that's their body telling you, my inner world is absolutely tormented with an inner critic. So George likes to say, for, for someone who's stuck in a, in a blame pattern, for every, for every one time they actually blame, they bite their tongue 19 times. And that the more they blame other, they're blaming their self. They're, mm. they're, they have an inner voice that's saying horrible things about who they are. You're too much. You're no good. You're ugly. You're stupid. You can't get this right. No one ever wants you. Mm -hmm. And what's sad about that is we're actually trying to get there. That's sort of step five in the model. Because if they could bring that inner critic forward, we have a chance to change it. But that only happens after some work is done. In the meantime, all those horrible messages gets projected out mm. onto blame of other. Man, Ryan, thank you for that. That's a good one. Because here's what we want. So what Ryan have been doing, we've been talking a lot about the function of it and what it's trying to do. Now we got to talk about the impact of it. And even as you say that, Ryan, it's not just, of course, we can obviously say the impact of the person who's being blamed, but you also highlight it has an impact on the person who is doing the blame, right? And so let's talk about, because that's the part that's so hard. And I know George has said this in training. We say it, and sometimes when we, I go out and I do trainings on kind of like racialization of things and like the, the conflict. But here's the part. In negative cycles, intent does not convey. Right. 
in negative cycles, intent does not convey. That's big news. And you got to look at the impact. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be hard for the blamer because I think, and this is why I want to be nice to because with jar or pursuer, more times than not, if you hook them up to a lie detector test, and you ask them, are you trying to hurt your partner here and shame your partner and ridicule your partner? The, the, and they would say no. And the lie detector test would says no deceit detected. And so that's why for their brain, it's kind of hard for them to say, why are you reacting to me this way? Because they don't recognize that the very the very function of what they're trying to do and the way it comes across as blame, saying something's wrong with you. It then hits other people, and it doesn't yep. hit their nervous. It doesn't invite. That's the right. other part. It doesn't send the inv- no. inviting signal, and then they yeah. can't make sense of why are you moving fa- uh, farther away from yep. me? Why do I see that shocked look on your face when I say something that's so obvious? And so, because yep. it, it hit the other person. Yeah, it is sad. It's like being in a building that's on fire mm. while you're shooting with a rifle at the fire trucks, mm. right? And and they don't know they're shooting. Because the shooting, the blaming, is just trying to like keep me from burning up. But it comes off to other like you're you're taking pot shots at them so the fireman doesn't come. I mean, this is one of the things we deal with every day. Wow. So that's mm-hmm. one level of impact is that it can hurt. It can make other people like kind of feel like I've got to put my armor on now because you're firing at right? me. But then I like what you just ended with on the other part, Ryan, is also the impact itself. And this is mm-hmm. when I like one of Ryan's uh, – we call them interrupting phrases or when he interrupts, but I like to call them refocusing too. And Ryan will come in and say, hold on, hold on. I got to jump in with you because if I don't jump in now, you're going to leave feeling worse mm-hmm. than when you came in. And when someone is like kind of reactive and they are firing off blame, they do leave feeling worse. Right. And it goes back to that dilemma more often for pursuers, but sometimes for withdrawers, that, that horrible attachment dilemma like we talked about in episode eight, if you want to review that. Something's wrong, and we don't have connection, right? Which happens to be my the worst, the worst fear of most blamers. And so I also realize that if I say something, I'm going to make this worse. At some level, I kind of get the sense so that this doesn't work. But the problem with that is if I don't say something, I've now guaranteed the worst-case scenario because I've learned in this relationship that if mm-hmm. I don't do something, nothing will happen. Or my brain goes, maybe I can think of some creative way to say this, and maybe that my partner will get it, and they'll come closer to me. Mm. And so that's the one they choose a lot. But when you're hurting and when, you, when your building's on fire, it's awfully hard to be creative. So it ends up coming, coming across as just another form of blame. And so then they go home, and they feel like they're a monster. Mm. They're embarrassed. They couldn't stop talking I feel needy. I feel like I'm too much. So the very EFT process can exacerbate that negative cycle if we don't get in there and get this to uh, off off onto a different track a little bit. 100%. As you say that, Ryan, because then they're left with, what's so fundamentally wrong with me that people can't look at this thing with me? Why is, what's so fundamentally wrong that when I speak up about something that's a threat, people move further away? 100%. Then this also makes me think about Sue and her book, Hold Me Tight, um, where she talks about kind of it puts us in a pattern now. So we have this function. We have this impact. um, And Sue talks about like the three demon dialogues. And one of the demon dialogues is find the bad guy Mm -hmm. or there's other one kind of like attack and withdraw and blame shows up in both of those, especially in the find the bad guy. Instead of both of the partners trying to kind of confront this cycle, this process that gets them stuck, they're blaming each other. 
and even the attack and defend. The attack side is still trying to, hey, I'm kind of attack. I'm trying to find this is the threat, and I'm trying to attack the threat. But what they don't realize is it, it feels like attack on the partner. And then I like this one that Ryan says in training. And when we can't make these processes and cycles clear, we leave our clients with three bad options. I'm bad, you're bad, we're bad. Mm -hmm. Which is still looking for blame, by the way. Mm -hmm. My body says something's got to be able to blame for this chaos. I can't That's just right. leave this as an open-ended. That's right. It just, it just happens. That's a great point, man. And we got to say that. And we probably already should have. Humans are blamers. <laughs> because humans are survivors. You should make that a t-shirt. Right? <laughs> humans are blamers. Hashtag. Uh, but humans are survivors. And if you can't identify something that's going wrong, you can't survive it. Mm. So blame is going to happen. That's one of the biggest parts of stage one in EFT is we're trying to invite people to an expanded frame that the cycle is the problem and blame it. Ryan, you got us. That's that was a good validation. And that's like when, when you get lines like that, because the moment you said it, I'm like, I pictured instantly. What if I looked in my client's eyes and say, hey, look, I get it. You're not, you know, you have to identify what the problem is, because if you can't identify it, it all is loss. So that's what you're trying to do. I get this, how it lands for your partner. That's probably how you don't want it to land. But I get the function of what you're doing here. Right. Woo. Yeah, and we're going back and forth between interpersonal and intrapsychic, just like we do in EFT. So that's a, that's a look at interpersonal. Intrapsychic, you know, if I blame you, it gives me the sense of protection from my own inner critic. Mm -hmm. If on the inside of me, I feel ugly and inadequate, but I can point out what you did wrong on Wednesday, that gives me that regulation to say, no, no, it's not that you're ugly or inadequate. This is just something we got to solve together, right? And that is a perfect recipe to launch another round of blame coming out. That's great, man. And now I guess uh, I don't know if you're ready to switch into some of the practical mm -hmm, stuff. I am. But the moment you did that, Ryan, it reminded me of George's kind of classical teach on because what blame is, it's view of other. Mm -hmm. You, you, you. And I'm looking outwardly and I can become preoccupied with focusing on you. But remember, what we're kind of saying is I'm preoccupied. I'm focusing on you as a way to regulate something for me yeah. or change something for me. Yeah. And George would say to us, his, hey, hey. When your clients do that, of course, you don't want them doing that in a way. But part of what he's saying is as they look over there, what they're showing you, this is where I'm going to add Ryan in. This, I'm mixing George and Ryan. What they're showing you is a trigger. There's something that happens at that moment that they look at that's a problem and it's a trigger. But what George would say is you can't just get them to jump out of that to looking at view of self. Right. That's too big of a jump and it feels too vulnerable. Yeah. And so kind of what me, when Ryan just said that going back and forth between intrapersonal and intrapersonal, it is a very regulatory strategy, but so what we, we got to be able to do with our when they do blame, we've got to at least be willing as a therapist for a moment with enough safety is look at what are they pointing our eyes to. Try and see through their eyes for a moment and feel from their perspective and then look at it with them. And then the next question kind of is, I, and you say, I see that, I kind of see what you're saying, or at least I get well, the good reasons why you're looking for what you're looking for. And what does that bring up inside of you? What is that like for you? Or as you try to get me to look over and look at, see that, as you try and get your partner to see it, what's the function of that for you? Yeah, no, that's good. I want to tell a quick story uh, as we move more and more practical. And I'm always wary of only telling good stories because uh, we want to say once again, guys, thanks for your hard work. And, you know, you if you're seeing more than one person in your office, you're amazing because so many therapists, and I don't mean to be disrespectful to them, won't even try. Mm. 
And so I appreciate so much the fact that you're doing this, whether it seems to be working or not, you're appreciated. Mm. And none of us have this figured out. There's no such thing as, as a true expert at this. Even the very best, it doesn't work sometimes. And I've got one right now. Lovely couple, love a lot of things about them. We're all right, but it's tough. Mm. In my last session, I, I did a quick session review and I didn't do a trigger and I didn't get it in the body. So I get a little shame bath after my session to go, what, what do you teach? And, but but, the, but I, then I gave myself a little bit of grace because dueling trauma, all their protection mm. moves are power moves, and they are very intelligent, and they, they are such a craft with blame. Therefore, those, those ingredients tend to make my session go so fast. Mm. If I don't get it slowed down you know, well enough or slow enough, I can miss – you know, really archetypes of how I do business. So I want to, there's me telling on myself. Mm -hmm. Now I want to tell you a good one. It's a funny one. I had a case. Um, I just love them. I really do. But they were so hard. Saw them for five years. Uh, every contraindicator was there. <laughs> Not just before either. So it was tough sledding a lot of times. And, and so one of the dynamics though was the, uh, the pursuer in this relationship was a really, really, really high blamer. And I was like their 12th therapist. And by the way, when that, kid, when that comes in, you got to know, hey, this is, you got your work cut out for you. So anyway, she sends me a text um, most as we were starting to finish that she actually did a podcast and talked about me. And she, my name wasn't on there and neither was her. So I think I'm confidential enough in telling you this. But she referred to me as a military grade therapist. She was saying, we struggled for so long, now we're so much better. And one of the things is I got this military grade therapist. I don't know what that means. That's what she said, but here's how, here's how she referred to me as that. And, and we had never had the conversation. This is just her processing of what it was like to be in my office. And she goes, he taught me something without ever teaching me something. Mm. He's, he, he never said it overtly, but every time I would blame, and I did it a lot, he would always come to me. If I'm blaming, he's coming to me every single time. And I learned, shoot, that's not what I want. So just doing that started to shift their pattern, you see, because blame in the moment is a distraction move. It's saying, don't look at my inner world or where I'm feeling vulnerable. Therapist, take your eyes over here. Mm. So blame is always telling you, not always, but most of the time, blame is saying, come to it, come to it. It's indicative that there's something right below blame that has the juice. So that's one thing I would say is go to it. Most of the time, when blame happens, you need to go towards it, not away from it. Ryan, that was the first thing on my practical list. I mean, we did that view, but the first thing you're right is move towards. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I won't say that's 100%, but I'll tell you what is. If someone complains about their partner... I will never, ever, ever, ever go over and say, now, why'd you do that? Tell me about that. Like now you're caught in the cycle. It's so shaming the moment. It is shaming. And it's, and now you're in a mediation role mm. and that can be, you'll be in trouble in a hurry. And that happens a lot. I've seen lots of videos where James complains about Nicola and I go, well, Nicola, is that true? What's your side of that story? And next thing you know, we're Now lost. I got a counterpoint then. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Now we're in trouble. <laughs> so go towards the blamer. Not the blamed, as a rule. Yeah, and then the next thing I had on my list, and I don't know if I got this kind of out of it was not supposed to be in order in some ways, but explore the function of the energy. We don't have to validate, yeah, yeah, your partner's this. You don't have to like validate the blame, but you can validate the energy or the attachment function. 
I still appreciate you getting my attention and saying, therapist, here's a problem for me. Here's something that's an issue for me. So can I look at that for a moment? Which is just what Ryan said. You're coming for me. Uh Uh-oh. But then because what my what's coming up for me is you wouldn't have done that if it didn't have a reason. Right. There's something of value here. So can I just understand? Is that what your body's trying to get me to understand or even Mm -hmm. that kind of pointing that out? Mm Mm-hmm. What's the function that? What is that you need me to see with you? Mm-hmm. Now we're back into kind of like their own interpersonal process. Right. Because it's not rocket science. Everybody knows at some level that blaming doesn't really work. So if I can't stop doing it, I'm telling you, I need you to come towards me. I need you to help me reorganize this or something. So, so go to it. Mm-hmm. So as we've said before in the past, uh, with blocks, CPR, That's right. I think it's still a really helpful thing uh, in particular towards blame. So CPR review here is you got to catch it, you know, and it's easy. It's easy when someone starts to tell a story to sort of follow the story and not realize, oh, that was just a blame block. So catch it. You got to notice it. Then you give it permission and then you reset back to what you, the therapist was doing just before. That's right. Specific to blame though, I think, you know, especially if it's repetitive, you know, if it's an occasional blame that comes back out, no problem. But if someone, if it's like their go-to move several times, like if someone if someone does a big blame thing four or five times in a session, I, to, to me, that's inviting you to a camp out mm. with them, right? And, and in that place, I want to start off with giving it permission. So I just wrote down phrases like, I think I see what you're doing. You're trying to explain this. You're trying to make sense of what happens. You're trying to figure this out. Because if I could just point out what goes wrong, we can get out of here. And I so appreciate that about you. Mm. It was kind of a paradoxical validation. I do literally mean it, but I'm mostly just trying to get it to slow down or to stop altogether. So I see what you're doing. I'm trying, you're trying to explain things. You're trying to figure this out. We're trying to get a plan. If we can't understand this, how will we ever change it? I appreciate that. And you're really smart. So notice I'm now layering validation. The more stuck someone is, the more I want to layer validation after validation after validation with explanation, especially when there's not live emotion in the room. That's a great time to do that. If live emotion is in the room, don't layer your validations. We've said that a lot on this uh, Mm -hmm. podcast. Mm -hmm. And important to say I love that about you because nobody works harder at relationships than blamers. They spend an unbelievable amount of their body's energy trying to make sense of this. I need to respect that. Mm. It speaks to really good things about that, right? Okay, so there's my series of validations. <laughs> now I've got to show its impact. There you go. But the cycle takes your very effort to explain this. The cycle twists it, and it sends the worst possible message to your partner. It doesn't say they made a mistake or mm. we need an adjustment or it says they suck, mm. that you hate them, that you see them as the most incompetent. So I'm going to heighten the impact of that. And over the course of my career, I, I wondered at times, is that partner ever going to come back and say, no, it isn't that bad. And you know what? They never have. Yeah, They can, never have. And can I point out, did y'all catch even how Ryan's voice changed in both of those spots? That's a great intervention to teach right there, Ryan. Like kind of go towards and validate the function. But then when he switched over to the impact, he slowed it down drew his words out a little bit more. Because it's almost like, I like to call that, he's whispering to their amygdala in a way, right? I see the fear, this and that, and like, I'm with you, I'm with you, I get it, get it, get it. But I got to show you this impact. This is how it's going. And then also what you did with that, what I see the function of that intervention, Ryan, 
you then have now the other partner because you have ruptured. Remember, we talked about anytime you work with more than one person in the room, you're always rupturing. When you try to tune and validate the other one, you're rupturing with the other one. You just now, because Ryan said, I can, he did this with the partner, other person, like, oh gosh, now they're both against me. I got two blamers coming towards me. They could be like, well, then Ryan comes back with the impact. Thank you. Somebody mm-hmm. sees me too here. Mm-hmm. And that's where couples work is hard. Ryan's having to hold two experiences at the same time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to point those two, those two parts of it out. Yeah, so part of what we're doing right here is utilization. Instead of trying to make you not blame, we're going to reframe something else to blame. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to unload the, the blame with validation and honor. But then I'm going to create tension now on the leading edge by heightening the impact of the message that it's sent. Because at that point, now both people are being abused by the cycle. And if I can get them to see that frame at all, I have a real chance to slow this thing down. 100%. Great move. Um, and then, you know, I heard Sue talk. Thank you for bringing that up, too. I remember watching one of Sue's trainings. And uh, Sue was talking about like kind of like these hard cases. And she was talking about a case where the client, the, the male partner was being the blamer and just saying some not nice things. And Sue was not liking it herself. She felt it in her own body. And in her mind, she has a choice. Do I kind of like, do I go fight against this person for doing it? Like, and so what Sue did there was a different one. She said, I use, re- I use reflection as a challenge. And so what she did is like, oh, so right here as your partner kind of says this and they do this, you kind of come in and you just, you say this and you do this at this moment. Oh, I see. I see. And she just kept reflecting and the partner kind of like, okay, I see what you're highlighting here. Good. I see what you're highlighting. But was she still being honoring? She goes towards this trigger, right? <laughs> oh, as this happened right here, right now, you're, you're kind of like your response. Your body kind of starts doing this and saying this and these words come out in this moment. And she's just replaying it, letting him look in. And she's kind of doing what Ryan's did. I'm helping you look at it, trying to do it gently, though. But I need you to look at what you're doing right mm-hmm. here. You have to. You have to. You have to, come, you have to come up against what hurts their relationship. Ooh. Say that. You have to. Come against what's hurting what hurts the, the relationship. And did he say just the other partner or what's hurting the relationship? Right. Wow, that's good. But here's the question. Here's what kind of lays out your model. There's some differentiation-based models who say you got to go confront it or you got to call it out or call out the narcissist or call out the – and, you know, that might be fine for certain people. There's probably some people that probably ducks pretty well with, but I want to stay with our humanistic frame, and I want to see not just the protection but the heart of the person below that. Mm-hmm. And the pain of the cycle is coming up against it, the, the, the pain of loneliness that – that already hurts them is already enough pain. I don't need to go inflict something personal coming from me and my call out, but you do have to come against it. Let's be clear about that. Mm-hmm. My last point here is uh, I always been, you know, a couple of cases that are challenging for me right now. And because I supervise and train so much, I'm, I'm going, all right, how am I different with them than other people? And so my, my last note is don't wait for the cycle. You go get it. Get out in front of this. And this is a theme for me in this whole series of stuck clients. When there's a predictably stuck area, whether it's blame or something else, but especially with blame today, don't wait for it to happen. Don't come in and smile and say, what's been good this week? And just kind of wait for the blame to come on. They've already shown you this is the only thing that we know to do. So instead of waiting for it, get out in front of it. Start your session with your summary and talking about blame. And how your intentions are good, 
But unfortunately, intentions don't convey in a cycle. And when the message comes out as blame, here's what it does. And here's the blame back. And here's the blame here. Like, go ahead and show that to them over and over and over. Start and finish your session. And some people would say that's confrontational. I just think it's, I think it's actually friendly. Exactly. Especially it's the attitude. It's really going back to it's the motivation in which you do it. Am I trying to point you out and shame you for it? Or am I trying to say, hey, I see it and I see the good reasons for it because I want to help you here. Um, And also another thing I'm going to say is like not only does good intent not convey in the negative cycle, good intent doesn't negate uh, painful impact. That's not saying the person intended to impact their partner negatively, because what we're saying, me and Ryan are saying is there's attachment function for most people. Most of our clients, they are not coming in trying to hurt their partner. They're not trying to be mean. Y'all need to believe that in your heart. Really, you do need to believe that about your clients because they wouldn't be. I don't think people sign up to pay someone to go be mean to their their partner. They can do that at home. They could do that at Red Lobster. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It always happens there. If I'm hurting my partner, I'm stuck. I need your help. There you go. I don't need you to give me a piece of advice of what I can do differently. If I had flexibility, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you. Did you hear big attachment over here? I liked what he just said. I'm blaming my partner because I'm stuck and I need your help. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a way to personify the strategy. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Yeah, come towards it. I need help. need help. Don't give me a solution because if I had flexibility, I wouldn't be in your office. Mm -hmm. I need you to help me get flexibility Mm -hmm. by reorganizing what's happening there and work Mm -hmm. with me, show me the impact, the things that we do in EFT, but specific to blame. I like that, man. This, I feel like this is a good episode. I mean, in a way I felt my edge being kind of pushed and like, even that just that one hit me because it helps soften. Cause I am like a withdrawer at heart and I want my, I don't want my clients to fire, but like, Oh, that's just my client. You're just asking me to come help you. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got it. You didn't know how to say it, mm-hmm. but I'm the attachment translator, and I heard it. I heard the message you couldn't say. Perfect. All right, y'all. We, we hope we'll have more fun like this on this Stuck series. But get, a, get them unstuck. Get them unstuck, baby. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at Doc Hawk LPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.